passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. It's a victory pod. My name is Joey Christopoulos with my co-host, former Chicago Bears defensive end, Corey Wooten. We're going to get to all the good stuff, but just in a second, let's talk about our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. This episode is presented by BetOnline.ag because it's back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on the, on the field to start another football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline continues to be the number one source for everything football so what are you waiting for head to the website or use your mobile device right now to sign up today you will receive a 100 welcome bonus that's double your initial deposit just for signing up don't forget to use promo code nfl100 at only betonline.ag the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports bet online your online sportsbook experts ladies and gentlemen thank you for coming into the pod it's a victory pod it's a victory monday we're so happy to be here to talk about a Chicago Bears victory 20-17 to 17 over the Bengals in Week 2. But first, got to bring in my co-host, former Chicago Bears defensive end, who I think maybe enjoyed some of the action that he saw in the second half of that game specifically yesterday. It's Corey Wooten. What's up, Corey? What's going on, man? you got to love when the defense comes to play. and uh, it's, it's it's a fun thing to watch when the Monsters of the Midway are back. And it was, it was good to see that after a disappointing first week uh, defensive show. So... Yeah, that was, it was rocking where we were at. Uh, I was out in Chicago doing the Brewing View event I was telling you about for Fox 32. And, uh, man, the energy in there was awesome. So it was good to be back. And things are starting slowly to get normal again. It's a victory week. Uh, so we got a lot to unpack, Corey. And, yeah, as you mentioned, there was chum in the water in that second half. And it kept stacking and stacking and stacking. And I'm dying to hear what your perspective of what maybe some of those Various defensive players were feeling on the sidelines in that second half. But let's just start here, man. Yeah, go for it. What's your biggest takeaway? Yeah. You know, how do you want to get us started? Because there's a lot to yeah. unpack for this Bears victory. Let, let's go into the offense uh, first and foremost, right? We two two back to back, you know, first series drives that were good, right? You know, and this week they capitalized on it. They had the score. Uh, Andy Dalton looked really well in, in that drive. I thought Matt Nagy did a good job of mixing and matching the run and, and pass. And you remember how we talked about, you know, a lot of dink and dunk throws. We didn't see that. We saw 12-yard throws, 13-yard throws. So those throws over 10 yards that we didn't see in the prior week. So I thought the, the game planning was great. Andy Dalton looked great in there in that first drive. Um, and then, you know, when it's on the line to get in the end zone, what do they do? Allen Robinson, you know, that, that nice little in route, uses his body, he's able to catch it, touchdown. First drive, momentum in, in their favor. The defense, you know, really picks up from that. They're able to hold the Bengals. Um, yeah, it was, it was great to see that. And then fast forward a little bit in the game, Andy Dalton kind of goes out of bounds, kind of gets his knee you know, hurt a little bit. And then I've been there, Corey. I've been yeah. there. I'm 37, buddy. Been there. Ran... Ooh, wait a second. Hold on. Yeah, it doesn't oh. feel like I used to, you know, bring me out. Yeah, exactly. And then he comes out of the game and then Justin Fields, I'm excited, right? We've been talking about this. Yeah. Well, this is an opportunity to showcase what he can do. And the first couple of plays, he, he looked okay. You know, a couple of throws here or there, but a lot of mistakes, right? Uh, man managing the clock, things of that nature. He had an offside penalty, uh, had the pick, um, used his feet well at times, but you could just tell the inexperience under there. And, you know, I had been so critical about Matt Nagy not playing Justin Fields. And I think it showcased why he was starting Andy Dalton this whole time. You know, I think he was worried about the kind of in intricacies of the, the little things that go on, you know, the, the managing a clock, you know, making these checks, things of that nature, holding on to the ball too long. We saw that with the sack. The O-line did great, except that one play with the sack. I counted it. Six seconds. You cannot hold the ball for six seconds in this league. 
you know, like they, they get paid too. They're going to get home on a, you know, on one of those sacks. Um, so you can't hold the ball for that long. But, you know, at times he really flashed his ability when the play breaks down to just go get the first down. And that's what you love from him. That's what separates him from other people. Um, some of the throws he looked amazing at, you know. Um, some of the throws I was like, man, you know, delivered, you know, down the field, 20, 30-yard strike right on the money. And it was good to see. So you see the talent there. It's just a matter of being comfortable. And, hey, it's his first game, and I know – I was a little more critical than, you know, some people might be, but I feel like we expect him to be right here day one. And it's not going to be like that, but, you know, I think I was more surprised with how Andy Dalton came out and I know it was his old team, this, that, and the other, but he really looked good. He looked efficient and they were stretching the ball down the field more than they did the, the week prior. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Balance 7. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to. It's called Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. And look for anyone in their 30s and above, or maybe even before. Look, I'm 37, but even in my 20s, every day was a maintenance day. I could use a little something like Balance 7 for a little bit of help. So head to Balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, believe, for free shipping. Balance7.com. Use the code BLEAV for free shipping. I did. And if it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you too. Now back to the pod. The first 15 was was really sharp. Uh, credit where credit's due to Matt Nagy. I thought they had a good game plan. And Corey, I have to be honest with you. They were listening to you, dude. Uh, what did they do on two of the first three plays of the game? They ran play action. Right. I mean, yeah. I, you know, it didn't it didn't work. I think they had an incompletion on one of the plays, but they still ran it. They still flashed it. And then what do they do also on that drive? They got a what a 32 yard pass interference penalty on Eli Apple targeting Marquise Goodwin down the field. OK, so now we've got a lot to work with. And that sort of allowed us to move the, you know, move the chains a little bit. We found Darnell Mooney a lot. I thought he played a great game. He did have that drop a little bit later. We can talk about that when we get to Justin Fields. But you know, we'll, we will never know because Dalton got injured and we left the game. You know, we, we will look at those first two drives and we we're like, man, Dalton was cooking. He was going to have a great game. I'm just going to pump the brakes on that just a little bit in terms of Matt Nagy in terms of four-quarter offensive football. So I'm not exactly sure if we're going to go there. But then that led us to, as you mentioned, that scamper. And as we're recording this right now, the news that we have available to us was that Ian Rappaport, we're taping this on a Monday afternoon, Ian Rappaport just tweeted that Andy Dalton has a bone bruise. He did not have a tear of his ACL or his MCL. There's a lot of differing opinions on the Dr. Twitterverse right now of how long a bone bruise is going to be, but it looks like it's probably going to be a little while in a couple weeks. And I don't care who you are. I probably wouldn't throw Andy Dalton out there against the Browns next week if he's compromised like that. And so it looks like this is going to be Justin Fields' show. They also said that Matt Nagy came out and told the PR staff. The PR staff then told the reporters that when Andy Dalton is healthy, he is the starter which speaks a little bit about to this Justin Fields situation. So let's maybe start with some of the things that I think you said that you were being a little critical about yesterday. And let's kind of just work through those and walk them through so Bears fans can kind of understand them a little bit. In terms of Justin Fields, maybe that's what Matt Nagy was talking about was it did look a little disjointed at times. You know, the false starts were – let's just start there with the false starts. In your Mm -hmm. opinion, you know, there's three or four of them. Is that on Justin Fields? Is that on just the concept of the lack of reps? This guy was running scout team. He's not running first team. Or is this also maybe a concept of offensive line cadence with Justin Fields? Where are you kind of putting the blame on that one specifically? So, so I think it's a it's a combination of things. I think the first and foremost is just being able to hear the cadence with him as opposed to Andy Dalton, right? Mm-hmm. Because you could tell when when Afadi jumped the right tackle on that one particular play. He, he looked like he was expecting a quicker cadence. And Andy Dalton, you know, is a veteran, and he's able to get these checks and get things done quicker. And especially as, as tackles, they like to get a jump on the play, especially going against a talented pass rusher and a guy like Sam Hubbard or whoever was out there, Hendrickson. Uh, so he tried to get a jump on there. And I think that's just them not working together that much and, and him not getting reps with the first team offense as much as he wanted to. I think that was a little bit of it. And then when the game goes on, some of those delay game penalties and, and, you know, things of that nature, that's just experience because everything's going here and there, right? You got the crowd, you get thinking about this. It's live action now, right? These games matter. It's not preseason anymore. And, you know, he's worrying about that, this, that, and the other. And all of a sudden 
you know, he, he didn't look at the, the play clock because there's a big play clock out there right in the middle of the jumbotron on either side. So you can be able to see it no matter which way you're facing. He does not having the awareness to be able to look at that because, you know, you know, when, when it's five seconds, you, you clap your hands, you hurry up and the center knows, boom, he's going to get it off real quick. So they just don't have those reps there. So I think it's a combination of him being a little nervous and then him not getting the reps with the offensive mind. Yeah, I, I noticed two different. I was watching the game get back again this morning, so I'm just watching. I'm not watching the all twenty two, but I noticed two moments where I think one of them was actually on the third and four. He ran an RPO and he actually kept the ball and he did that spin move for the first down, which was a great move, right? But there was two moments where he sort of kind of got up and kind of forgot, like post play, what is the next thing I got to do, right? Exactly. Get the boys together. Get the call in. Get the stuff. Get everybody lined up. There's a lot that goes on from the second a play ends, I think, for a quarterback that I'm not saying that he wasn't ready for, but I think he needs to be more cognizant of moving exactly. forward to keep us as clean as possible. And is it possible that maybe Matt Nagy was sticking with Andy Dalton for song and trusting him? Because, and I'm not saying anything that's a big surprise. I think he's just looking at his personnel, especially offensively, and saying, you know what, I think cleaner football is better than explosive football right now. And if we can do things the correct way, we had eight penalties for 70 yards. Those false starts definitely hurt us. Those turned, in my opinion, probably touchdowns maybe into field goals in a couple situations. Exactly. I think that's maybe why he was kind of riding this Andy Dalton train and maybe continues to still say, hey, Justin, you got to prove this to me before you're just the starter the rest of the season. Yeah. Oh, 100%. I think I think that's, that's definitely a reason. Um, he didn't, and I and I think the thing is with the O line, right? The kind of who was left tackle, who's going to be right tackle? They were banged up. I think he was worried about. Okay, let's do a scheme where we can get the ball out quick, right? If we have Justin Fields, maybe we'll do a little bit more deep step drops. You know, those three, maybe five step drops. You know, yeah. long play actions, things of that nature. And he was like, maybe our O line is not ready for that, right? And Andy Dalton is a veteran guy, right? Anywhere he's played, you know, especially for the Bengals, they've said nothing but great things about him as a leader, right? And that's what you want. You want guys to buy in, and especially a team that's kind of trying to figure things out on the offensive line, especially. You know, I feel like, you know, running back, they're good. Wide receiver, they're good. Tight end, um, I, I feel like they're good at that. But trying to figure out things as the O-line, it's so critical, the relationship between the quarterback and the offensive lineman, you know, and especially when guys are insured stuff. And he could make different checks that Fields maybe is not aware of right now. Okay, hey, let me, Montgomery, okay, slide out there. Okay, you're going to chip, you know, making that check to help Jason Peters or Fadi if they're going against a particular rusher. So different things like that. So I understand now, you know, I was very critical on Matt Nagy uh, about not playing Fields, you know, week one. And he could have played him either way. But I understand the reasoning now, right? And start going going forward right because obviously it looks like fields is going to play for a week possibly two weeks depending on the bone bruise how how bad it is i think he needs a game plan for him right we talk about this is a critical step for matt Nagy, right you're one and one you're going against the browns that are a good team game planning for justin fields and i think when justin fields came in the game yesterday he didn't do a good job of game planning for him right we didn't see too many uh boots we didn't see too many rollouts we didn't see too many of those plays where you can give him an option where there's a linebacker that's either going to cover the guy downfield, the Y or the tight end, uh, the inside slot receiver. And if he does, Justin Fields can run. And then if he goes to Justin Fields, that plays wide open. That's a different dynamic that Andy Dalton doesn't have. Mark Sanchez said on the broadcast, you know, he's a guy that played for Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy comes from Kansas City where they run all that stuff with Patrick Mahomes, Alex Smith before him, where they got him on the run. And that's why Alex Smith, a guy that people wrote off, was able to have such great success because he did th- that that really focused on his strength, you know, his ability to use his feet. And mm-hmm. Alex Smith didn't get enough credit for how mobile he really was. And that sets up everything else. So they need to do the same thing when it comes to Justin Fields. Play to his strengths, right? Give him those options. Um, when he was able to scramble, uh, use his feet, I mean, that was electric. I mean, who, who else can f- fourth and 12, fourth and 15 – Scramble back there. One, two reads. Oh, it's not there. Be able to scramble for a first down. Not too many quarterbacks can do that in this league with the speed the way it is. So make it allow, allow him to use his feet, right? Tell him, hey, if the first or second read is not there, take it and go. You know, 
Hey, yeah. if somebody's coming, get down. I thought you did a pretty good job of getting down or getting out of bounds. Hey, save yourself for another play. You know, don't do that Cam Newton like he used to do. Well, hey, I'm, I'm big and strong and I can take these hits. <laughs> nope, you don't want to do that at all. So get down. But I think if they can do that uh, going forward with Justin Fields, I feel like he'd be a lot more successful in this offense. It's a complicated way to unpack it, in my opinion, because I I don't know how we can be critical about it where it just sort of kind of happened, right? Where I, I noticed a lot of empty sets when he first came into the game, yeah. a lot of RPOs, not a lot of under center. The first play action that he ran was actually that great pass to Darnell Mooney uh, on that crossing. Line. It was, what, a 25, 26-yard completion. You're like, oh, okay, there it is. So the coaching staff, I think, was trying to adjust on the fly while the rookie Justin Fields was trying to adjust on the fly at the exact same time. I don't know if they were like, I'm competing tracks or on the same page with each other. Yeah. Like the entire time. So I, I kind of am really curious to see how that kind of works itself out this week. I'm, I'm with you where we'll never really know the answer of is Matt Nagy truly protecting his job? Is he protecting Justin Fields? Or does he just blindly love Andy Dalton? But I think two things can be the same at the same time where I, I understand that you're, you're kind of coming back and you're being like, I understand where Matt Nagy was coming from. But I also and am still pretty firm in my belief that Andy Dalton was kind of wasting our time a little bit. A superb backup, a guy that can, yes, get us lined up and get our pre-snap checks all figured out and everything, but then go out and score 14 points. It's just if we anyone watched other games uh, yesterday during Sunday football, you're going to need more than that in this league to win consistently on a week-to-week basis. So I think that of all the maybe bumps in the road that we're going to see with Justin Fields moving forward, I think the incredible highs are kind of worth the gamble at this point right now. Can I ask you something just really quick? Am I making too much of, we've talked about this previously on the pod, and this was one of my bigger fears about Justin Fields being the backup for any particular game. And I'm going to use a baseball analogy where the first you know week of the season, they ran him for a couple of plays. And it's almost like bringing a rookie pitcher up from the minor leagues and letting him throw a couple of pitches or pitch to one batter. But in this particular game, this was like for me bringing in a rookie pitcher with runners on first and second or second and third with nobody out and asking him to get out of that inning. It was a dirty inning the way he came in. And naturally, there were some things that we liked and some things that we didn't like. Can you talk about that? How big of a gap is it when we talk from scout team to first team reps? How big of a gap of that is, in your opinion, in terms of preparation for a team in a week? I, I think it's I think it's a big gap. And, uh, you know, Matt Nagy, they, t- they touched on, on the broadcast how Justin Fields gets reps on air, you know, with the ones or something. That's not the same. Uh, you can say whatever you want about mental reps, this, that, and the other. I think for other positions, that really matters, right? I think for a young defensive lineman, I think for a linebacker, a safety, a corner, I think that really matters, right? But I think, you know, a position like an offensive line or a quarterback, you need the reps out there. You need to be going through it against somebody else, being yeah. able to read coverage as a quarterback. Yeah, being quick, able to... quick interjection real quick. Like, you know, he he needs to learn Jason Peters' tendencies, right, and how much time he has or doesn't have, right? Jason Peters, on average, is able to hold the guy for, for three seconds, right, be able yeah. to block him, right? And I know when that three seconds come up, I'm going to hit the corner. I'm going to spin out like Tony Romo used to. I'm going to hit that corner. So stuff like that, like Aaron Rodgers, for example, he knows when that left defensive end, when he gets a little bit too locked up on that right tackle, he's hitting that corner. And and good luck trying to catch him, you know, because he he's a mobile guy and get on his feet. And then they're going to run that route across the middle or whatever, or that flare route, and he's going to hit him. So knowing things like that, knowing the tendencies, like if a Fadi's going to let the uh, the left end go on an inside move, he knows already bait him, bait him to go inside, right? So I can hit that corner, mm-hmm. stuff like that. That's stuff that over time you develop that he, he can work with him and say, hey, let him go inside. Let him make an inside move. Watch, I'm going to make him look stupid right here. And and things like that, like Jason Peters, same thing. Hey, let him go inside, okay? One, two, boom, I'm going to hit that corner, all right? Yeah. So things things like that, you know, and and to, to really not have that many reps with the ones and especially the reps that he had in the preseason with, Jason Peters not out there and Afadi not out there most of the time because he was banged up as well. It's it's different, you know. The interior they've been the same, you know, since day one. But the the guys on the edges, I think those are the most critical pieces of a puzzle in this league day and age. How much we pass, how critical you know the end play is, um, left tackle, right tackle, especially that left tackle. So um, 
I think it's something that he just needs more reps with. And, you know, I think this week, if he's, you know, we'll know later on in the week if he's for sure the starter, which I think he will. I think the bone bruise takes a little bit of time, but they'll be working this all in practice and he'll get reps with the guys. And uh, I think, I think this week will be a lot better than last week because I think they're going to have the game plan from him. And like I've always said, a game plan for Andy Dalton and a game plan for Justin Fields is completely different. So all things, uh, you know, thinking about all things, I'm like, I kind of understand why the game planning maybe wasn't the way we wanted to, because they, they went out in this game thinking, okay, Andy Dalton's going to be our guy and this, we're going to do it. And sometimes in the fire coaches just, okay, this was our plan. We're going to do this. We're going to continue doing this. And they didn't really script for a complete Justin Fields game. You know, and I think if you're a coach, you should go into a situation scripting for potentially that, that second guy, because you never know in this league, you know, you, you always have to be prepared. And you got to go over every situation, this, that, and the other. You got to go in a situation where, hey, if Justin Fields gets hurt, David Montgomery's our guy. What are we going to do? We're going to run gun runs. We're going to do that. Like, you have to figure out what's the worst possible scenario you're going to be in and game plan according there. And, and some coaches don't do that. You know, they, they say, oh, yeah, we, we, we do everything. But you have to have every situation ironed out for what if. It, it didn't look like it, I'll be honest with you, because it felt like they were like, hey, we're going to run we're going to run a lot of RPO looks until we get a vibe of how the Bengals are playing us. And then maybe we'll try and act accordingly, like based off of that a little bit. Yeah. yeah and, and I completely agree with you. I, I'm really interested to see now, are we going to get rid of maybe a bad throw here and there? Um, like you said, a delay game, false start. I think we're still going to see some of that stuff next week. Cause I just think that's the nature of where Justin Fields is at his, in his career. But while we're all kind of looking at like Justin Fields is this unfinished product. I'm really excited to see, Full week of reps, full game plan, knows the first 15 in and out. Everyone, you know, I think the offense with Justin Fields is the unfinished product of everyone being out there together. I mean, off the top of your head, how many passes do you think Allen Robinson and Justin Fields have thrown to each other in a practice scenario? Maybe not off on the side. Like, I mean, it, do you? Th- I'd probably say maybe 10. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I was going to yeah. get like 100, and I thought I was being low or high. I mean, yeah, 10. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't think they have Andy any Dalton's been the, been the guy since day one. So, yeah, Justin Fields has probably got a couple reps here or there, but Andy Dalton's been running with the ones since day one. Like, and, and Matt Nagy said, yeah, Justin Fields gets reps with the one offensive line or whatever, running this, that, and the other, but it's on air. Yeah. So those aren't true reps. True reps are when you're going 11 on 11 or you're going in the preseason game. So I'd probably say the, the most reps is the ones he got in the preseason games with the ones. There you I go. Say. I mean, and when we're talking about that jump ball with A-Rob in the end zone or whether it was that beautiful 35-yard pass that straight up A-Rob just dropped, yep. we're hoping that maybe some of that stuff can kind of tighten up just a little bit moving forward, and let's see what we have. A couple more things in the offense, and then we got to do some defense, man. I can't wait yeah. to talk to you about the defense. Um, let's stay on the positive side of things. I'm so excited for the one-two combo of Fields and Montgomery. Um, that, I mean, again – Montgomery, if you pull up the stat sheet, I think he only had maybe 78 total yards yesterday. I think it was 20 carries, 61 yards, mm-hmm. uh, catch for 18 yards. He had one call. He had a 30-yarder called back on a holding penalty, which was an unbelievable, fantastic one-on-one juke play that got him uh, some extra yards there. Let's just talk about it. Let's just be excited about it because this is something that defenses are going to have to plan for and guess for. I know we're going to still continue to do our RPOs, but – Man, a hard-nosed running style of David Montgomery, who just continues to press every, impress every single week, combined now with Justin Fields, who can do a little bit of everything and can clearly beat anyone to the edge. Find me anyone in the NFL that he can't beat, you know what I mean, uh, when he's trying to get to the edge. Just talk about that a little bit moving yeah. forward as you know, maybe something that can really take this Bears offense to another level. Hey, you remember how I told you how hard that is for a defensive end or outside linebacker, depending on the scheme, right? With his three, four, four, three, the guy in the edge, right? And you know, Justin Fields is faster than every edge guy out there, 100%. So that guy has to be able to to be able to close down for the run and potentially uh, play field. So that's that's a nightmare matchup because what he's going to do is like this. He's going to stay out because he's like, I'm not letting Justin Fields beat me. And what is that going to do? Open up the lane for David Montgomery, right? And, and the lane is going to be super wide. It's going to be about two gaps deep. And then you're going to try to arm tackle a guy like David Montgomery. Good luck. You're going you're gonna to blow out your shoulder, your pec. 
trying to tackle that guy, big 32 yeah. out there with a head full of speed. So it's just going to create such a different element. And then, then when that happens, if David Montgomery is able to hit that for six, eight yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, then they're going to say, all right, we're going to close down more. Okay, and then they're close down more. And what is Justin Fields going to do? Take it, hit the edge for about 12 yards, get out of bounds. They're going to say, dang it, what are we going to do? So they're going to have to keep an extra linebacker in there to scrape. And then what is that going to do? That's going to open up the lane for David Montgomery again. And then what is that going to do again? That's going to have them thinking about that run. Hard play action, right? Boom, Cole Komet, right? Yep. Some of these inside receivers, Marquise Goodwin, right? It's going to open up everything for these guys. And I think they're going to game plan well and – Cleveland has some talented edge guys, Clowney, uh, Miles Garrett, great athletes, great, but they cannot run with Justin Fields. I'm sorry. <laughs> the right. The, the, it looks like through the first two weeks, speed has been a huge problem for the Browns defense. A am I wrong a little bit? And especially yeah. with those two guys on the edge that are going to be thinking about going this way, Fields can go right around that. Exactly. That, that's what I think. You, you just, you get them all out of whack because these are guys that are just like, hey, there's not too many quarterbacks that they can't catch. You know, those are those are two guys that feel comfortable about if a play breaks down, I can run this guy down because I'm such a great athlete. Mm -hmm. But against a guy like Justin Fields, like you you can't you can't be running, you know, 60, 70 percent. You got to be running 100 percent. You're still not going to catch him. So th this is something that you get in their heads because it changes the way you rush. Remember, I, I touched on that. It changes your game as a rusher. You know, we played Mike Michael Vick my second year when he played for Philly. Right. <laughs> and it was a nightmare because our coach was telling us, hey, do not rush the way you normally do, okay? We don't care if you win. This is a thing where we just need to keep him contained in the pocket, right? And what does that do? It, it, it changes everything about a rusher. You, you teach moves, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win. You tell him not to win. You, you tell him, hey, set the edge, end, set the edge, okay? Guys up the middle, push the pocket. So it completely takes them out of their game. They're not able to win like they normally would because they're, they're rushing differently now. And then you have more time. Uh, you have more things open up. You have a spy guy that's there possibly. And then what does it do? It opens up an extra receiver. So the effect of Justin Fields is, is incredible. It just, it just changes defense's game plans. And I guarantee you they're going to have a spy guy because you saw that with Cincinnati. They ended up keeping a, keeping a safety looking after him. At first they tried a linebacker. Then they brought up a safety. But think about that, right? You're taking a great cover guy and you're, and you're making him a spy guy. That's the Justin Fields effect. And then think about once, once he gets rolling on things and they're able to cater the offense towards him, able to get him moving and running, it, it, it's going to be a nightmare for defenses. You know, I, I, I know they are, they are upset that Justin Fields is playing because game planning for Andy Dalton, I said this, I played against, I'd rather play against Andy Dalton any day rather than Justin Fields, right? Andy Dalton, for me, that's good. One, two, three, get your hands up. Okay. Oh yeah. Maybe, maybe a couple opportunities to get a, a real three-step or five-step drop. You're not worried about his, his mobility. Yeah. He can, he can get a first down when he wants to, but that's not what he wants to do. Justin Fields, if the play's not there, he might get 30 on you. That's, that's the different element that he brings to the table. Just the effect he has to you mentally. It takes you out of your game and you don't even realize it. Yeah. The simple analogy there is uh, Andy Dalton is death by a thousand cuts, but you got to get to a thousand. Or, and, and, you know, Justin Fields is the gash, you know what I mean? The wound that you might not be able to close up. And that's why I'm so excited about this is, look, you know, I'm, I'm just going to say this to Bears fans right now, like, because we've seen so much pain, Corey. We've seen so much pain at the quarterback position for so long that when you see Justin Fields put up a quarterback rating of 27.7 yesterday, I think there's a lot of people that are going to easily slide into whatever. He sucks. He can't. Matt Nagy sucks. We can't do this. We can't do that. I'm just preaching patience, and you are illustrating it so perfectly of, I don't know if it's going to be clean football. Are we going to sh shoot ourselves in the foot every once in a while on offense? Yeah, we probably are. Maybe it'll cost us a game, but it also, putting Justin Fields in there might actually win us one or two games. So I'm willing to make that gamble. And Matt Nagy's offense, we, we've talked about it all the time, being too cute, overthinking things. I think it's because in his heart of hearts, he wants the defense to not know where he's coming from. And Justin Fields, as you're talking about, brings up that element. Think about what they just did on some of those third downs where, and you know, that third and four, he had the RPO. He kept it. Like you said, they, the guy actually stayed home. Justin Fields spun on him and still picked up the first down. Go to that yeah. third and nine that, you know, sealed the game a little bit. 
you know, Justin Fields was able to use his legs, shake off a guy, you know, trailing him, and then still break the edge and still get that first down. I remember also third and 12 where, you know, A-Rob was on a one-on-one. He just got A-Rob the ball, and he was able to make a one-on-one play, you know, up that sideline a little bit and then break a tackle and get another first down. I think if there's ways to isolate certain offensive weapons moving forward, I really think that's going to give us a huge chance. And I kind of like my chances. I mean, can we just end it on this? The season just got really exciting, Corey. Right? It it, and it's it gonna, and I'm not saying exciting is it's going to be positive and amazing every single week. I just think every single week now, I think we just improved our chances to win on a week-to-week basis with Justin Fields, even as the unfinished product that he is right now. No, I, I agree with you. It makes it exciting football. And I know um, – yeah, fans aren't happy with it. You know, I wasn't particularly happy with it, but I saw I saw a lot of good things in there, right? You know, the, the ratings, this, that, and the other. But some of those throws where he was able to connect, you see why they drafted him where he did. He was able to stand in the pocket, you know, feel that pressure and complete a strike. I mean, the throw to Allen Robinson that he dropped in the end zone and the one to Mooney right on the money those are russell wilson passes i watched russell wilson a couple hours later make those exact same you know those exact same passes the same loft the same speed and the same you know accuracy exactly so you know you talk about we got 27 points there and potentially another touchdown or field goal if mooney catches that because then then we're in our territory right a first down on the 35 or so and then we have an opportunity to get a field goal or a touchdown so potentially 10 points in both of those scenarios, right? You got to help your QB, a guy that's trying to get his confidence up. And, and a guy like Allen Robinson, I'm like, you got to catch the ball. And then Mooney, who's really coming into his own, who's trying to establish himself as one of the better number two receivers in the league, you got to catch that ball, right? Hits you on the hands. And people were talking about on Twitter and it's like, man, they're just not used to getting the ball right where they want to. You know, they're, they're used to having to adjust and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, stop it. They need to catch the ball. They need to catch the ball. Yeah, but. they need to catch the ball. And then also, you know, the Cole Komet offensive pass interference, I think, was kind of bogus. That was probably another yeah. first down that might have set us up just a little bit. I don't even think it's worth actually even going over Justin Fields' interception. It was bad. It was a rookie play. I don't even think you throw the ball on that particular down. You know, he just didn't see the guy. I think that stuff's going to kind of happen moving forward. Today's episode is also brought to you by Play Action because, look, this is exciting news. Bet on Chicago is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on all the action with our PlayActionPools.com Football Pick'em Challenge, which is open to everyone. So here's how it works. You sign up for our contest, believe Football Pick'em at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, Again, go to playactionpools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football, pick them. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to playactionpools.com today. They've got Survivor Pick them, as well as a cool sportsbook-style concept called Build Your Own Bankroll. That's only at playactionpools.com, your new home for all your office sports picks. Now, back to the pod. I got one more thing with the oh, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, bring let's, it. Let's, let's, let's talk about the old line right? Um, they only let yeah, one dude. sack. And that was Justin Fields' fault. Six seconds, you hold the ball. That's not a whole line at all. They did a great job all day protecting. And, you know, the guy Hendrickson, the right end, he's a, he's a talented pass rusher. He used to play for the Saints. Um, and Peters did a pretty good job on him. You know, uh, Hendrickson's a guy that probably get 10 sacks this year. He had 13 a year ago. Uh, I thought he did a great job on him. You know, he had the one sack on him. But like I said, he held the ball. Um, but the old line, I thought did a great job, you know, run blocking, especially in pass protection. And this week against Miles Garrett and Clowney, I want to see that same type of pass protection. And I think this situation where if they're working, like I talked about with the Fadi, especially that right side, Hey, you know, let Miles Garrett or, or Clowney, let, let them go inside, you know, let them go inside, you know, really bait them to go inside, hit that corner. Right. Then you have him thinking. Okay. Oh shoot. I can't, I can't rush. Like I want to, I like to make the inside move, but now I got to go outside and then it changes their whole mindset. So things like that. And I was just really impressed with the progress from week one to week two. I know the Bengals aren't the same front as the Rams, but Hey, they get paid in this league, right? Every week there's good rushers, right? These guys get paid a lot of money, right? On both sides. And I love what I saw just from the protection on the, on the three-step drops, the five-step drops, those hard play action looks where you need a lot of time. They kept him clean for the most part. 
all offensive linemen played every single snap of the game. That's a step in the right direction. They right. need reps. And Jason Peters got through the entire week. You know, after being uh, leaving the game with a quad and being limited in practice a little bit. And I, and I'm with you. I think you know we were so freaked out about it in the preseason, and so far, it's we haven't talked about them a whole lot unless we're bringing it up in a way that has been a little bit of a surprise. Help me out on this uh, as a football novice. Is the, is a little bit of their bread and butter? Um, is it? A, it's like almost like a seal off counterplay. Yeah, um, they, yep, yeah, exactly. yeah. That seems to be one of their best run fits right now. Am I wrong? Exactly. Yeah, they they worked really together with that, and I, I think the run game is going to continue to flourish because, like I said, I think these are a talented group of road graders, and that's what you love to see, especially with a guy like David Montgomery. That counter has really been working. In this game, we didn't see as many two tight sets, right, with Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet. I want to see something like that going forward. You know, I, I, I really like the two tight end sets because I feel like that really is a good package for the run, run, then a hard play action where you can get that boot because then you have the tight end on the backside stay, block the end down, hold him, hold him, and then get out in the coverage. I think that's a great play right there. And then it sets up that run uh, pass option with, with Justin Fields. So if we could see a little bit more of that. Uh, I, I'm way on board with that. I think I noticed uh, they, they brought in Darnold Mooney to run block at one point, and it didn't go very well. And I was like, can, no. we, not, can we not do that, please? Can no, you, try, you, try, you can't expect a lot of these wide receivers. No offense, they're, they're kind of prima donnas. They don't like to block, especially to cut off and seal somebody. Yeah, They're, 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 not, like the, they're not like the Heinz Wards of, of uh, you know, the, the old school kind. <laughs> did, you ever, did you ever line up against a wide receiver that tried to maybe like run block or pass block on you and in your head, like what? What what were the thoughts and feelings when you yeah, saw something I mean, like that happen? You were like, yes. Brandon Marshall, uh, when I actually played for Minnesota, uh, he was he was like run blocking against me, and he's a bigger guy. He could, he could probably play tight end. So he came at me, and I kind of hit him, and he tried to grab me. I kind of threw him to the side a little bit, but yeah, he was he, he did a better job than most uh, wide receivers do. But mo most of the time, you know, it used to be the wide receiver would just cut you. But now, like, they have different rules where you can't cut and things like that. But that's what it used to be. The, the wide receiver going there, act like he's going to block you and then try to take out your legs. But most of the time they miss because, you know, they, they didn't want to be there. They just wanted to act like they were showing effort. They're like, see, coach, I tried to block him. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of different rules, maybe as a segue as we transition over to defense, um, a lot of talk about the taunting rule, not just in our game but across the NFL. Uh former defensive end Chicago Bear Corey Wooten do you want to sound off on that for a second because yeah if I'm a fan and I don't get it I'm dying to hear what you think about it yeah the 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 first one with the Bears who, who was that that got the penalty was it James it was, Johnson it was, I think it was Gibson I think it was Gibson, Gibson. For yeah, claps. It was Gibson. Okay. he got yeah. up and just clapped but but the thing is he knew what he was doing right the, yeah. the that one you can't do you can't do it over somebody right if he would have said like this and then move but he was over him, you know, you can't be doing it for a couple seconds. You said go, right? Yeah. And then go. But the one that um, Andy Dalton had called on him, 24 for the uh, the, the Bengals, uh, I thought that was kind of bogus because they were just jawing at each other. And I, I think in football, right, people are going to talk-ish. That's that's just what it is, man. People are going to talk smack. And that that's what the game is. You can't – you can't – you can't give somebody a flag for that. You know, he probably just, you know, said, hey, man, you scared. You a punk. You a punk. You know, this, that, the other. And they were going back and forth. And they don't say, you got to call. And then they give him the flag. And I'm like, I hate that one. The you're clapping over somebody. I get that one. But they're just drawing back and forth. You got to let them play the game. That's part of the game. Steve Smith, right, arguably the greatest, one of the greatest wide receivers to play the game. Greatest smack talker ever. Yes. We played him in Carolina. Tim Jennings had two picks in that game. And the whole game, even despite that, he's like, man, you still ain't ish. You still ain't this. Uh, blah, blah. And then Steve Smith had like a touchdown or a long uh, catch, just talking to him the whole time, you know, no matter what. And I feel like if it was nowadays, he would have got a million flags. But that's just what it was. That's He tried to get in other people's head. And that's a big part of the game. You can't you can't take it out. You know, it's, if, you're, if you're clapping against somebody, you're smacking them in the head, you're pushing. I understand stuff like that. But just talking, come on, that's a part of the game. Everybody does that. Yeah, well, Trey Turner got kicked out of the Steelers game for getting – he got spat on and then he spat back, whatever. I can totally understand what that yeah. is. And the other one that, you know, from a fan's perspective of uh, when a guy goes down and the person 
doesn't let the dude get up because he's kind of like got his knees like kind of right over him yeah like where you can literally <laughs> almost kind of walk over him like yeah that's a weird um there's like a dominating alpha thing there that i can totally understand probably trying to get out of the game um yeah. but the clapping i don't know I, I guess it just depends on how close you get to the person or whatever and like how in the in the face you are of everyone but it's across the nfl i mean they're trying to clean it up yeah. and it's just one of those things from a fan perspective it just sort of comes out of nowhere, right? And I think it sort of it's confusing for a fan a little bit because obviously we don't understand what's being said or what's being done. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, I think it's something that like back in the day it didn't used to be a problem, but you know nowadays they're trying to make the game safer. They're trying to make it more family experience, things of that nature. Let's teach people how to do things the right way. And I get that, but like I said, football is some of the greatest players that we ever seen. Ray Lewis. Brian Dawkins, et cetera, they talk smack after they hit somebody, you know? Um, you know, you say, I'm a, you felt that in your soul, didn't you? You know, stuff like that. Obviously, he went a different way about it. You know, B. Dawkins was a little bit more religious, you know? Yeah. He said, hold up, but the Holy Ghost in you or something like that. But, uh, you know, I think it's a part of the game, and I – you have to adapt to how they're calling it, right? That's that's how it is. Just like the the hits with the quarterback, people have adapted to it. Um, and you still see penalties like that. Robert Quinn's penalty. Come on, you knew what you were doing, bro. You oh, knew what yeah. you were doing. He tried to do one of those like I bumped into you at the grocery store yeah. thing, but the arm, you know what I mean? We saw kind of the arm extension. You're six five, two sixty, bro. You, you you're not you're not just shoulder checking nobody and they're not going anywhere. Come on. Uh, he had a he had a great game yesterday, but that was he a did. dumb that was a dumb, dumb move on his yeah. part. And yeah. I guess there's there's different gradient levels to it. I and I obviously you're right, where they start throwing it early. You hope it curtails the behavior moving forward because, you know, you don't want to get in trouble for it. Yeah. As much as I love, you know, some of the great players in the game, like celebrating and maybe even doing a little bit of trash talk. I also could probably do without Anthony Miller every time he gets a six yard reception, you know, saying something to the, op yeah. the opponent. You know, I don't know. Like, that's just me. Like, it, it always kind of rubbed me sort of the wrong way. Let's dive into the defense, man. There is a lot to cover. Uh, I'm just going to throw some guys out there and maybe you can pick sure. the one that you want to do first. I mean... Where do we start, right? Khalil Mack sighting yesterday. Hakeem Hicks flying around the field. The Eddie Jackson return game. Kendall Veldor breaking up passes. Jalen Johnson interception. Four pass breakups. Duke Shelley. Never mind. I'm going to keep going for right now. Keyshawn <laughs> Gibson uh, returns a fumble. Roquan pick six, man. Where do you want Robert Quinn, your boy, the All guy right, that you said X Factor? Where do you want to start, man? Let's start. Let's start with the D line. Let's work our way out. Yeah. You know, to, to the secondary. So D line first, right? Robert Quinn. He's already almost at the sack total he was last year. You know, in, the, in week one, I thought that was his solo sack, but they gave him half um, yeah. half a sack. But one and a half already, he had two for the whole season last year. He's just been so much more active in his pass rush. He's, he's getting there. He's hitting the quarterback. He's affecting him. He's getting sacks. He's getting pressures, even in the run game. And it's something that he never really did, right? He's never been known as a run-stopping defensive end. And that's what you're seeing from him in this defense. And I think his career has been awoken um, because last year he just had a really negative year for him after coming the year before when he had 11 and a half sacks with Dallas. Um, so I think he's fired up. He wants to show that, hey, I'm still this talented pass rusher. I'm still the Robert Quinn that you know. And I could play the run too. So I love what I saw from him. He was active out there. And, um, you know, he was one of my underrated performers yesterday on the Fox show. I thought, you know, they're, they're going to look at things and you're going to say Roquan Smith, you know, was the MVP. But Robert Quinn was in there great. And, you know, he was able to get pressure on the opposite side, open up things for Khalil Mack. And when they're both rocking, Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, that's going to be a tandem. And then look at Bilal Nichols getting home with a nice sack in there. And then Akeem Hicks, who's always getting pressure up the middle. You so a factor yesterday, for so sure. If they, can, if they can all get on the same page like they were yesterday. Remember how I told you that Russian cover works together, right? Yeah. When – you know, those front four are rocking. It makes everything better on the linebackers and that secondary. And they reap the benefits of, of that talented uh, pass rush in there. I love what I saw from them. Dude, uh, Hicks Hicks hit Higgins, T. Higgins, so hard yesterday. And, like, he was walking away. You know what I mean? Just like, like you know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. don't play the game. If I'm going to be on the field, just don't come out and play the game where you're going to get hit like that. I love that so much. Yeah, they had four sacks, nine QB hits. Um, and I, I just want to ask you real quick. They also, uh, they mentioned on a couple different post games, 
and I think we did this actually last year at times against the Buccaneers and maybe at different points, but Quinn and Mac were lined up on the same side. Yep. Uh, could you talk about a little bit about, you know, what is the thought process with that with Sean Desai? How often can you deploy that? And what are the Bears defense trying to do in those moments? Yeah, I think in those situations, they're trying to run some kind of game going with those two. And you just have them think it's sliding that protection. And then what they can do potentially is when that when that's rocking on the same side, right, Every everything is sliding that way. That's when you can open up guys like Roquan Smith and et cetera on the different stunt packages. And it's just seeing those two talented pass rushers. They're, oh, 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 they're getting nervous. Just like the same thing if you see a talented uh, edge rusher coming inside, it's an alert. So I think that's something that they can show. And then, oh, okay, they're, they're going to slide the protection that way. Let's run a stunt you know, with some linebackers or safety on the backside and come home with that. So that's just the effect of two talented pass rushers that you're going to get a lot of tension slid at them. You know, when do you think they, when do you, when would you game plan and try and call that? Is that in like third and long situations? Is that early down situations? What do you, you know, when do you think they try and feature that? Yeah, I, I think in, in a situation like third and long, that's traditionally a, a screen draw situation. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, when you got third and 20, et cetera, especially in, in, in teams that aren't doing well offensively, they're going to want to get off the field and, and punt the ball and try to play field position. But I think in like a third and third and six, third and seven, third and eight situation, you know, that's when you want to bring that out when they're going to do a three-step drop potentially and uh, be able to get home with something like that, maybe a nice exit game or a Texas game with them, you know, where the uh, inside guy goes up the field, the outside guy comes right underneath. So something like that. Yeah, that's interesting. And, yeah, maybe you also, the as a running back in pass pro too as well, you have to kind of make a decision a little bit of, like, what's going what's gonna to happen there in those situations. Exactly. You know, Matt Nagy said it in the postgame press conference. He wanted the defense. They talked all this week about swarming, mm-hmm. and it – it fit the part right there. I mean, yeah. I, and can we also just say real quick that as much as we wanted to give the defense a hard time in week one, but in week two, yeah. the Bears run defense has shown up again. I mean, that, yeah. that was a real thing last year. You can beat us in the past a little bit. You can beat us, you know, maybe at the tight end and big plays or whatever. But again, the run defense showed up again. It's important to make teams one-dimensional, especially against a Browns team next week that has, uh, I don't know how yeah. many wide receivers on their roster and they got a two-headed monster in the backfield. You remember I talked about uh, the concern coming into this week with stopping Joe Mixon because he looked really great in, in week one. And you saw how much more confident Burroughs was when you get the running game going. It, it makes everything that much easier. And to be able to hold them to 69 yards of rushing after a week ago, uh, Mixon went for 123 is huge. And I think that showed why they made them one dimensional, right? And when you can make a team one dimensional, they had three, <laughs> three consecutive plays of picks. Right. And and that's that's the effect of, of knocking out that run, because the game was still pretty close within within there. So being able to make a team one dimensional and especially against the Browns, I think if they can stuff that run and you can get after a guy like Baker Mayfield, the way they got after Burroughs, I don't think Baker Mayfield has that same confidence. I think he has the confidence, but I think he gets in his head a lot of times. And I think it will get him very flustered. Like, look at how Burroughs bounced back after those three picks, you know, with some great throws down the field after that led them to a score. I don't think Baker, Baker Mayfield could do the same. I think he would get too much in his head, especially if guys are hitting him. You know how he gets frustrated. If anyone leans on him a little bit too long or something, get off of me. he's going he's gonna to yeah. get in that situation. I think he's a guy that you got to hit early on. And I think if you can make him one-dimensional – I think he's a guy that's shown that he gets very frustrated. He gets flustered when the pressure's in his face and when things aren't going his way. And it's kind of shaping up as a as a pretty solid matchup for the Bears next week. We were looking at this and being like, oh, man, this Browns game is going to be tough. Everyone thinks they're going to the Super Bowl. Well, Jarvis Landry is going to miss some time with an MCL in his knee right now. Odell Beckham, I do not think, is probably playing next week unless we hear differently over the ne- next coming days. So they're going to be limited in that receiver core. Wait, they, said, they said he might. He, is he going to try? Like he might play. Yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna you're gonna have to stick around, listeners, for uh, Bears Bears Browns preview uh, Thursday morning to see whether that comes to fruition or not. You know, it could be a situation where we might be kind of catching them on a good week from the receiver core perspective. Let's kind of move it to the secondary. Or no, wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Let's go to Roquan Smith. Let's just we have do, to. We let's have do to. Roquan Smith real quick. My man, that was that was Urlacher Briggs esque. 
Am, am oh, I right? Huge. I mean, it was from huge. the time he caught it to the moment he juked the guy and then the speed down the sideline. Just talk about it. Dude's off to a huge season again. So that, that was that was a great play right there. And, and when I was watching the game with my co-host, uh, Gabe Ramirez, I called the pick before it even happened. Uh, I was like, watch, they're going to they're gonna go to Tyler Boyd here on the inside. They're going to look at him. It was a third and him. four. Yeah, third and four. I said, they're, they're going to look at him right there on the inside. And they did. And Roquan Smith dropped perfectly in the coverage, caught that in there. I mean, and then his ability to get in the end zone. I mean, he's got great speed. We talk about those SEC linebackers. That was very Erlacher-esque. And it was great to see him because that's such a huge play in a situation where you have such a lull in the offense and, and, you, and you need a big play going. And this is the, the Bears defense that we're used to seeing, these big plays, these turnovers, these interceptions for return, fumble recoveries, interceptions, you name it. And just that play at that time really revived the team and, yeah. and it gave him that, that confidence, got the crowd into it. And then it made things tough for Joe Burrow. Because then the next time he's out there, like I said, three consecutive plays or two other consecutive plays after that, he throws a pick. So it's just, it was just such a huge critical momentum in the game. And Roquan Smith, this is a guy that's in a huge year for him. Um, and I think he's going to have the type of year that's going to make him the highest paid linebacker in the league because that's what it becomes, you know, the highest paid thing. And I think if he has the year and he continues to climb like he has been these two weeks, he's the Brinks truck, you know, you see that sometimes, you know, at, at the ATM or the bank, they're going to have to back it up in his driveway. Yeah, they're going to pay him a lot of money. Pay the man. <laughs> well, this isn't the greatest analogy in the world, but if Khalil Mack is Jose Abreu on the White Sox, Roquan is Tim Anderson, yep. right? Where it's almost like maybe he's not, he doesn't have the pedigree or the production just yet, but really like he is kind of sort of the leader. He's kind of the engine of this whole thing. Yeah, and to see him pull an Erlocker slash James Harrison down the sideline and get it into the end zone was such a – you know, it was really galvanizing, and it really kind of turned everything around. And that was the second of, yeah, four straight turnovers on four possessions. It really kind of okay. snowballed from there. Quick question for you, Corey. Back in the day, uh, you know, you've been on some great defenses, man. When a guy gets a pick six like that, are you the guy that's – are you trailing back to the house? Are you yeah. sprinting down there with him? Are you going full yeah, you got to. Yeah, you got to? Okay. You got to. You got, you, you got to go and celebrate. I remember uh, back in 2012, I mean, we had so many turnovers that year. I mean, one of the best defenses in the in the history of the NFL. Yeah, was that like Urlacher like, versus Jacksonville? Didn't Urlacher have one against the Jaguars or something like that? Yeah. And, yeah. He, had, he, had it, he had it against um, Tennessee. That's Tennessee, right. Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, but against Jacksonville, Peanut Tillman had one. I think Major Wright had one. I mean, we had so many takeaways that year. Tim Jennings had 10 picks. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just, it was just, we were turning the ball over, sack fumbles, you name it. It was, it was just such a great defense to be a part of. And you always got to run and celebrate with the guy, but you can't run too fast because then you, you get, you're kicking the ball back off to them. So you got to go back to defense. You got, and have your breath in there, or you got to tap out. <laughs> That's the thing is, like Akeem Hicks, is he? He's not sprinting down the sideline. Maybe he's just putting the fingers in the air. Yeah, and he, he goes like this. Yeah, <laughs> hoping, hoping you know, if he got the ball himself, he's he's trying to get in there. You know, the big fella want to score, but you know, you 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 always got to run to your teammates. And I think, uh, you know, it just depends on the situation, how tired a guy is. You know, if, if we've been going on a long drive, the bigger fellas are like. Uh, Good job, man. They get him on the sideline, you know, so yeah. you, you try to conserve your energy when you can. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. Um, Eddie Jackson had a bounce back game. You know, I mean, he, we saw him in the backfield making tackles. Exactly. I mean, th this was there was a message was sent and Eddie Jackson answered the bell this week. I think we can say that now we just want to see more of it. My question for you is outside of Jalen Johnson. What's your concern level with the secondary? Did it go down a little bit? Did it go up a little bit? Where are you outside of Jalen Johnson secondary-wise heading into week three? I, I think this this week was a huge step in the right direction, right? We didn't see as many errors. Um, just that uh, touchdown at the end of the game. Jamar uh, Chase, to, yeah. Yeah, that, that one's concerning, especially from Eddie Jackson. I felt had one of his, had his best game this season. You know, obviously it's only been two games. But the angle that he took was awful. Like that was that's bad football right there. And real quick, you're up by a lot. So football novice says, how do you let a guy get behind you when you're up by that much? And and it's not even like that. So so Eddie Jackson should have been should have been right there when he caught it to I mean lay the boom on him. I mean, I'll tell you, don't go for his helmet, go for his body. Like that should have been that should have been a knockout shot where the ball got uh, yeah, you know, dislodged. Because the timing of it, you're like, oh, you see him over there. And 
all he's got to be waiting there and all of a sudden just boom just drive right through him and that's that's the thing where you have a big hit where the ball either comes out or he just goes down right there and that's not a touchdown and then potentially you hold him to a field goal but that was just bad angles and it was it was definitely disheartening after he had such a good game had that big um you know uh tackle for loss in there in the run game and then he knocked the ball out really started that takeaway streak with them but you got you got to be better than that he knows that the coaches know that that's that's just poor, that's being lazy I, I think that's just being yeah. a lazy play he kind of didn't break down he didn't he didn't anticipate where he's going to be and I, I i just didn't like that play at all it's it's a little bit of a tbd i think on eddie jackson it was great to see him knock the ball out it was great to see him play well it was great to see him jacked up but yeah again when the guy when the score got up a little bit he kind of made a business decision just a little yeah. bit right i don't know we'll we'll see how it goes and there are these little weird rumblings about is his shoulder 100 you know and is he trying to take maybe some different angles to protect that who knows what happens when people throw different stuff out there i think it's a little bit of a wait and see do the bears have a nickel uh a nickel corner problem i think the biggest thing for them is they they feed off the the, the front four and I think when they're rocking, and this is how the team has been in the past since Matt Nagy's been there, they really feed off their front four and, you know, the linebackers when they're able to get pressure. If they can get pressure, I think it makes everything that much easier. And I thought they played their best game with, with the exception of that miscommunication at the end, you know, when Chase got the touchdown. I thought they played pretty well. The only thing I'm going to say is early on, they were playing so far off, which I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw some of those, you know, third and eight, third and nine, third and ten plays were they able to get the first down? It's like you're playing so far off a person when it's third and seven. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, get up on them a little bit. You know the ball is going to come out fairly quick. It's not a third and 15, third and 20. Get on them a little bit more. You can't be 12 yards off somebody on third and seven. That's just unacceptable. So that was the thing. They're, they're worried about their speed because, hey, the Bengals had some speedy receivers, Chase, Boyd, um, Higgins. You know, those are some guys that can fly. So – I don't know if it's a situation like that, but I was very impressed with Jalen Johnson, his coverage out there. I mean, that one play where he knocked the ball down with his left hand, as opposed to going over the receiver. Most people make that mistake in that situation where you have tight coverage. They try to make a play and you gamble and you try to go over the top and then you miss the ball and that's a touchdown for, for the other team. But he went behind him with his left hand, hit the ball out, was poised. He ran with him the whole time. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from him. And Remember I talked about during preseason camp, Gibson, guy that's been a pro bowler, I said, hey, this guy, Jalen Johnson, man, he's one of the most talented cornerbacks that I've ever seen. He's going to be a wow. guy that's going to be a top five cornerback in the next few years. I completely, I completely agree. And on top of it, uh, pull out your meathead bingo card and scratch off tackling because I thought they did a better job of that this week. I think that was a nice thing, and maybe that helps – Maybe help maybe put a little bit more press coverage and not so much of a cushion on some guys moving forward. Exactly. In terms of Jalen Johnson, yeah, four pass def- uh, four pass defense, uh, an interception. I mean, the dude put some tape. Yeah, on the, the board interception that was that was amazing coverage. I mean, he was he was ahead of ahead of the route the whole time. I mean, he ran the route for him. Yeah, that's what you love to see from a young guy. Right. He, 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 he didn't he didn't jump it before you should, because sometimes people jump it too quick. And that's when you have those stop and goes. But he knew exactly what he was doing. He jumped it right at the right time. You know, he knew he was committed to going back to the ball and he ran it for him. It was great to see that. And the Bears defense gets a little bit better news this week because the hope is that Eddie Goldman comes back to play next week. Mario Edwards is off of suspension. Yes. Now the dude had a really great year last year. You know, those little spot starts, those, uh, you know, he gets doesn't get all the snaps in the world, but he makes the most of them. That defensive line is going to, in theory, get deeper and better next week. So if you got a Jalen Johnson and a Roquan Smith doing what they got to do, you know, Kendall Vildor, I didn't really see anything that I'm going to criticize. He had that great pass breakup in the first half. I think you need to see that from time to time. Make them respect you that you can make a play. They're trending in the right direction in this Browns matchup. And then, oh, by the way, they get the Lions the week after. They can kind of start building a little bit of momentum here, you know, heading towards that 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 meat of that schedule, which turns into the, you know, the Raiders, the Packers, the Buccaneers, and so on. Yeah, that'd be huge if you could stack, you know, two back-to-back wins, one with the Browns, one with the Lions, you know, go to three and one, uh, you yeah. know, heading into the, the bulk of the schedule, like you said, the meat and potatoes. So it'd be huge. I, I think um, it's just a huge confidence-building game uh, just for the team in general because 
you got to win offensively. They didn't play the way they wanted to, but defensively, they really had a great game. And after week one, everyone's saying, oh, is the defense? I don't know. I'm worried about the defense. And they showed why they are the monsters of the midway. And it's just huge confidence building, especially going into a guy like Baker Mayfield that I think a lot of front fours really want to get after him. Because he's one of those guys that's arrogant. You know, he's kind of cocky and he rubs people the wrong way. You know, he's the type of guy that people are like, I want to get after this dude. You know, I want to hit him. You know, I, I want to get him flustered. And I think that's that's a situation where they're going to this game like, hey, if we can stop the run and get after him, get in his head. He He's a guy that, that's shown that he could be a head case out there when things aren't going his way. And I think he's talented. I think he can, he can do it all, but it's, it's that line. It's that fine line sometimes where you're a little too cocky, where people are like, okay, we'll see how cocky you are. Tough guy. You know, you know, so back thinking like Jersey, like, okay, tough guy. We'll see. We'll see about that tough guy. Okay. We'll see how tough you really are. Okay. Forget about it. I was going to say from a thespian perspective, I was like, you're not that good of an actor, man. Uh, (laughs) You think your commercials are so funny, huh? Well, I'm going to smack that respect that thespian right out of your mouth um, and yeah man I, I and i think also on top of it you know i, I want to hear your final thoughts before we get out of here uh maybe one of my final thoughts too as well as you know you win 20 to 17 you look back on it and you go okay the offense only scored 13 points you know they only scored 14 points in week one you know what's the problem but the difference is man it's just the breath of fresh air of the hope and the unknown and hopefully the development of Justin Fields moving forward. If Andy Dalton had finished this game, I think we would probably be all critical and downtrodden about this offense right now, but I think there's a lot of room to grow. I think there's a lot of you know changes I think that can be made. I think the onus is on the coaching staff, in my opinion, more than I'm just going to lay it at Justin Fields' feet or the offensive line's feet or Allen Robinson catching passes. And so, you know, those guys I think are going to be able to execute when given the opportunity. I'm putting the onus on the coaching staff this week, man. They got a game plan. They got to get him ready. I want to see that first 15 rocking. I want to know that they can be able to adjust. I want to see them give Justin Fields the best chance that he can go out there and win his first professional start, perhaps in week three. I agree with you. I, I think it starts with that run, run pass option, especially, you know, those boots, those uh, those rollout plays, things of that yeah. nature, you know, straight sprint out plays at times. They do those little rub routes with Allen Robinson last year, that little quick five, eight yard rub exactly. route. They would do it with Trubisky all day long. We can do that with Fields. Exactly. It's stuff like that builds his confidence, right? As a young guy going on the road at the dog pound, it's a tough place to play right now. You know, the, this yeah. Browns team is reinvigorated after yeah. the past couple of years. Like they're, they're really rocking over there. So if you can take the crowd out early on, especially drive down the field, have a great first drive like last week, score, it quiets the crowd a little bit. Then you have some productive drives here and there where you can grind them down with Montgomery. You're able to use your feet with fields. I think, like you said, it's a critical game calling, game planning thing for Matt Nagy to showcase, hey, I can be the game caller. I could be the the play caller that everyone thought I was going to be. And I think it starts now because now you have the piece to the puzzle that you've always wanted, right? It's not Trubisky. This is the guy that you wanted to draft that you, that Matt Nagy definitely said, this is my guy pace. Let's draft him. I can do wonders with this guy. Look what I can do. Look, look at Patrick Mahomes over there. This guy's way faster than him. You know, I can, I can kind of, I can kind of make him into what I want. So you got the keys, right? You got your guy. Let's see you call the plays. Let's let's see you be this genius that everyone has thought you you were supposed to be that you haven't been yet. Let's see it. Let's see it. This is your guy, right? You're getting a game plan all week for it. Let's see it. It's going to be an exciting week talking Bears football all week long, which means you need to come back late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning as me and Corey get back together to preview Bears-Browns week three in Cleveland, perhaps with Justin Fields under center and perhaps with a rejuvenated defense. Getting ready to go after Baker May Sally Fields, uh, <laughs> one of the greatest athlete actors that we have in the game today, under center on Sunday. Today's Believe in Bears was brought to you by 
betonline.ag 100% refund bonus on your first deposit using NFL 100 promo code make sure you check that out play action pools right now just because you can't be in the office doesn't mean you can't win money off your co-workers they have wonderful office survivor pools going on right now play action pools and balance 7 pH supplements they're partnering with Believe Podcast Network all season long bringing you some excellent discounts on some excellent products as well to hope perhaps boost your immune system your energy and also your health as well Thank you so much for listening to this pod. My name is Joey Christopoulos with my fantastic co-host, former Chicago Bears defensive end and Bruin View postgame host, Corey Wooten. My man, Corey, take us home. Tell the people the socials and stuff, and then, you know, we're going to be right back at it in a couple days. Yeah, yeah. The socials is at Corey Wooten on Instagram. It's C-O-R-E-Y-W-2-O's, two T's, O-N. Same on Twitter, Facebook. You can catch me there. That's a little bit more family-oriented. But, man, I'm excited for, for another week of Bears football going into the dog pound of the Brown, Baker Mayfield and company. Uh, Justin Fields looks like it's going to be his first start. Love to see it. So we're going to have a lot to break down on our next podcast. We're going to give you a nice preview, the matchups we want to see, the game plan we want to see from Matt Nagy. We're going to give we're going to give all the ingredients like we did last time, the meats, potatoes, spices, the herbs, everything. That's going to get the Bears to get a W at the dog pound against the Browns. You can follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Joey Sports Guy. And remember, me and Corey, we picked correctly last week. So you got to come back Thursday morning to see what we're going to predict this week for Bears-Browns. We're one-on-one on the season. Bears are one and one on the season. Let's try and maybe get over 500. Let's and go. Next week. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it. We're riding. We're building a winning streak, Corey. That's what we're trying to do one week at a time here. Thank you so much for checking out this pod. Be well, be safe. Please be good to each other, everyone. Remember, bear down, and thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 